I'm Corinne Schaefer, and welcome to Create Outside the Box. In this episode, I will be speaking with illustrator and coffee enthusiast, Chelsea Hill, but you might know her better as her online alter ego, The Illustrating Diva. We're going to sit down and talk about coffee, callus, and being creative. If you're interested in watching our video, please visit the Creative Operations YouTube channel under the playlist, Create Outside the Box. Also known as the Illustrating Diva, Chelsea Hill is a New York City illustrator with a love of all things glamorous, humorous, and colorful. Her works are often inspired by eccentric New Yorkers, as well as legendary musicians and performers. Chelsea specializes in and absolutely adores creating illustrations for music organizations. When she's not illustrating, she's growing her shoe collection, drinking fancy overpriced coffees, and avoiding pigeons. So I would like to give a big welcome to Chelsea Hill to Create Outside the Box. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Well, thank you, Corinne. And I'm happy to be here and honored that you want to want to talk shop. <laughs> well, I'm honored because so this part is normally where I introduce somebody and we talk about how we know each other and we are meeting for the first time. We are. <laughs> in this interview. And um, it's because I'm a huge fan. I can't even remember how I discovered you. I just kind of found you on Instagram and your stuff is just so whimsical and fun and colorful and witty. And I just, I just love it. So I wanted to learn more about you and your artistic process. One of the things that I was learning about you as I prepared for this interview is that you come from multiple generations of performing and visual artists. How did that influence your getting into the arts and and did that help you kind of navigate what to expect and the ups and downs of the career? Well, um, definitely influenced it. I mean, I my mom's a professional flute player based in Omaha. My dad has worn many like creative hats, uh, was a cartoonist. His father was a modern artist, um, was a professor at a university. So I definitely grew up exposed to classical music and symphonic works and um, opera at a young age, musical theater, as well as kind of old school cartoonists like Hillary Knight, um, Myra Kalman, who's um, like a famous New Yorker illustrator who I adore um, for my dad's side. So I definitely had both, um, both sides covered by one parent. Like one was the music side, one was the art side. Um, so I was definitely encouraged and um, the arts were valued in my family. And I, I'm from Nebraska. So I, I like to say that um, I'm the oldest of four and we're all, you know, musical theater artists, musicians. Um, in my case, I'm the visual artist, just a very eccentric New York family based in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> in terms of preparing me for it, we never really talked about like the artist's lifestyle. It was just if you want to do this and you love it, pursue it. And I was always supported. Um, I have a degree in musical theater. So when I, that was more my art, art form. Um, my parents were very supportive of that and, you know, came to every competition and, you know, drove me out state to audition for places. And then when I moved to New York, when I kind of switched gears to illustration, they were thrilled. So, um, 
I've always said the support, but we've never had the, you know, like, this is what being an artist means. It's more like you can figure it out and we believe in you. And um, I think for me, that's helped me because I don't have the, um, I don't know, the fear attached to it that I think a lot of my peers have had with parents. Um, but my mom's side, uh, her grandfather was a professional musician. She, he played with Lawrence Welk and did the big band scene. So she, she grew up you know, hearing what that lifestyle was like and decided for herself that she didn't want that. You know, she wanted to stay local, but with her kids, I mean, she was very honest about her grandfather's experiences, albeit from the thirties and forties. Yeah, I mean, the things you can apply to today. Um, and my, my dad's father, you know, showed uh, regionally and was pretty well known within the modern art community within like the Midwest and same thing, you know, he saw that lifestyle and then kind of told us what that was about too. So we didn't go, I didn't go into it blind, but I didn't have the fear attached to it. They never told me not to do it or, you know, life's going to, you're going to really have to struggle. You need to like have a day job. Um, it was always just go for it. Yeah. There wasn't this added pressure no. to it because I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fear and the pressure gets in the way. Oh yeah. And, and sometimes it's not even fear and pressure that our loved ones or our family are actually putting on us. We just, think they have this expectation of us and we put it on ourselves, which is kind mm -hmm. of crazy. So that must've been very freeing to just be like, I know where I am. They know where I am. I'm good to go. You know? Yeah. You know, and with that, I really learned to trust myself, you know, and you know, I, I did, I moved here specifically to sing, you know, I was a choral ringer for a while. And when I transitioned into illustration that really resonated with my artistic expression more than singing ever did, they were like thrilled. They were excited. They um, were my biggest supporters, even though that's not why I moved here. Um, very excited whenever I called them to like know what I was up to and encourage like my own personal projects. Um, so, yeah, I just I, you know, give my parents a lot of credit for um, just helping me and my siblings truly know who we are as artists and trusting in our inner voice. Um, yeah. So no, no fear attached to the lifestyle, only, only like endless possibilities and enjoy the adventure. Like that's what I grew up with. Yeah. I like, I like that attitude. That's a good attitude to have. Um, you're kind of getting ahead of me a little bit, in the sense that, <laughs> you know, we know that you're comfortable and you love your life now as an illustrator. But as yeah. you mentioned, you started off studying musical theater and opera. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when I in high school, middle school and high school, I was definitely the, the, the singer of my peer group. I was the one that did, you know, Nats and not only like the, the uh, local, regional, national, did the classical singer magazine competition. Like I was loved opera from a young age. Like I was a nerd about it. I always listened to it. That's all I listened to. I wanted to go to symphonies. Like for my birthday, my parents bought me Renee Fleming tickets. Like when I was 10, like I was that kid. And so that to me was such an, like an identity piece. So I, uh, got, went to school for musical theater, kind of like, uh, double majored in music. So I could get a little bit more of the classical track moved to New York because I, um, had met a playwright who like lined up a lot of Broadway auditions. So I kind of hit the ground running, was here, auditioned, uh, became like a choral ringer. And about a year into living, year and a half into living in New York City, it just was not resonating with me. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Yeah. I think, I mean, the industry's hard. Um, particularly like if, like I moved to New York City not really knowing that many people. Mm -hmm. um, 
So just the the hustle and the showing up at 6 a.m. for auditions kind of killed the fun for me. Um, so tried it, did the singing thing. Still, music is my like greatest passion in life. Um, but through that, I developed an even bigger passion for illustration. Yeah, and I love that because you show your love for music through that illustration. Yeah. I just wonder, like, as a kid, having both sides represented in your family, did you feel like you had to take sides? Did you feel no, like it never. had to be either or? <laughs> because I feel never. so many people limit themselves because as you mm-hmm. said, like it was such a big part of your identity. You know, it was how you labeled yourself. Like you were the singer out of everybody. And then when you started going down the path and started, you know, actually creating the career in New York and seeing what it actually was like, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. This isn't resonating, mm-hmm. but it's not resonating. Like I have to, you know, create a whole new identity. And does that mean totally giving up this? Does it mean stepping into something new? Now you embraced it. I mean, I, I get yeah. the sense that you're like, I'm ready. I'm not afraid of this. I'm just, you know, Chelsea 2.0. Um, but yeah. I think for a lot of artists, it's hard because they cling so much to one identity and they don't look at it as expanding. And I actually don't think people have to choose all the time, you know, like if you, you know, you love being an illustrator, but if you wanted to do a concert, you know, next year, just for you, just for fun, Kelsey, the (laughs) illustrator can still do that. So I was just curious if you ever, ever felt that, but it sounds like your family was just supportive no matter what you did. And you didn't feel the struggle with that. Never from them. I mean, initially when I did that transition, I had a lot of actual vocal issues. And so I think that was the tough component. And so for me, I mean, I was always visual, like even just when I was singing, I was a spectacle. I I always coordinated my outfits to the rep. Like I enjoyed that part of it. Um, like in my undergrad, I worked in the costume shop. I did all the render, you know, the renderings. And so that was still very much so a part of my life. My identity was more as the singer, but that talent was always there. Um, so when I kind of went through a little bit of a vocal crisis and I was going to ENTs, um, to me, the visual side was a way to cope with that. And then it just expanded from there. Um, doing better now, obviously the singing's still a big part, but I think it was initially that like that vocal stressful period where things were not quite clicking that, that identity piece was a little tough, but it was about six months. Yeah. And then I hit the ground running and I was like, I love drawing. This is, this, this is awesome. And speaking of your, your art and your work, it is, as you said, so influenced by your love of music. How, how does your love of music and how does your experience as a singer influence the work that you do? Well, I've, I've always loved people's stories. Um, even when I was young, I would pick an opera singer I really liked and just learn everything I could about them, like their life, how they, like where they grew up, how they became, you know, the artists that they are. Um, so a lot of my subject matter is just, it's opera singers. It's Maria Callas, it's Joan Sutherland. It's people that I grew up listening to. My kind of unique spin on it is that um, I also love fashion and kind of like in humor and wit. So it's taking subject matters I like, kind of it's an homage to them, but dressing them in clothes that I would love to wear, um, putting them in like colorful situations, trying to make them more accessible to people who maybe have never heard of them, um, like putting like a fun spin on it. Um, so that's that's truly where music and like the love of like the performer and the life of the performer has influenced my work as a visual artist. 
Um, I'll do like some like kind of nerdy things. Like I did um, like a cigarette sulfage theory called Sigfage. So it's just, it's the cigarette hands or the sulfage hands with cigarettes. Um, so just quirky things like that. Um, I did um, also like a, gra- like a chart with uh, musical Fox, but they were just, they didn't make sense. They're very nonsensical. Mm-hmm. So it was like the Spinto Soprano, just is like Yappy Yorky. Like the, the descriptions don't actually make sense with like the vocal description, which is what just it's when you hear like a flock you're like what is that even so you can kind of make it your own thing so I, I do do like nerdy things like that but typically my subject matter it's 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 performers and you know it's celebrating people that inspire me and that have impacted you know my life growing up like I I would just listen literally for hours to like Collis or Renee Fleming and just like daydream like it was the music was kind of a catalyst to letting my mind wander and just like opening up like daydreaming imagination. So I, I think it's, it's always been connected. Um, who knows where it'll expand to? Like right now I like drawing people, but two years from now, who knows like where the inspiration will, will spark. I love how, as you were talking, um, you were talking about how, yes, you love all of these figures, but then you were taking and drawing on these other loves that you have fashion and glamour and kind of the idea of like updating um, these opera icons in a like more modern sense. And I think that's what has drawn me to your works as well, because it's Joan Sutherland, but like, I don't know, in like Florida glam and bright colors, like you've never (laughs) seen her. And it, it works. Like I love it so much. And the thing that I find, and it's not everybody, I am generalizing, but I find sometimes that the classical art forms, they struggle so much to update and stay relevant and cool while maintaining authenticity. And yeah. I, I think that because you're bringing so much love, like the love of the individual singers, but also like the love of fashion and and just wanting to tell the stories. That's why your work comes off as fresh and authentic at the same time. I mean, what goes into Thank you, you know, when you're creating <laughs> like my t-shirt, you know, with, with Collis, how do these oh, things fun. come to you? Um, there's, I mean, there's no method to my madness. I mean, I'm a, a professional daydreamer. I mean, I can be walking down the street and see a coat that I like in the window and just like my mind will then just go like, who would wear this? Like, how can this be funny? Like, what kind of shoes would parallel with this? What opera singer would I put in this? And then it's just, I let my mind wander. Um, I mean, for the, your shirt, it was a series with uh, Opera 360. And so I was was bored and I, I love Opera 360. And I, you know, asked Eugenia if, I could do like a callous series for the Maria Monday, but do my spin on it, which is really fun. And she's like, absolutely. And so then we made it into a contest um, and then people got to vote on their favorite, which is the shirt that you're wearing that one. Yeah. I mean, if I'm able to collaborate with people, that's fun. Cause it also offers like another like perspective or just a person to like, maybe I can get inspiration from or a different like view on something or like incorporate like a challenge. Like, you know, only if we draw with this color, you know, like, what would that look like? Um, And you've had some really awesome collaborations. I mean, not just Opera 360, but you've had Girls Who Conduct, which is a cool mission. Um, You've had your own uh, Women Composers Alphabet series. I did. I did. And that got picked up with uh, the Boulanger Initiative. That's amazing. It was very cool. It's kind of put it more at a national level than what I could have done on my own, just based on their network. So it's in like, 
I, I mean, nothing brings me more pleasure than seeing like the Women Composers Alphabet poster in a classroom, like in, in Ohio. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's the best, best thing ever. No, it's amazing. It's really amazing. So speaking of these collaborations, you've collaborated with different opera houses. You've uh, collaborated with different different groups. What have been some of your your favorite collaborations and who would you like to collaborate with? Um, I mean, anything for a music organization is it just feeds my soul. I mean, I worked at the Met Opera before the shutdown. Um, I was a wardrobe dresser. And through that position, I became very close with the Met Opera Chorus. And so then they hired me as an illustrator and I illustrated their logo. So that one, that one's really special. So I got to draw a lot of the costumes that I handled. So it was, it's just, it's fun. Um, So that, that was, that's up there. Um, I just finished a a poster design for Baltimore Musicals. And I had done, it was, it's for a phenomenal women's concert series, which I had done right before the pandemic shut down two years ago. So that that's lovely. Girls who conduct, um, getting to draw a different conductor, which we're starting up again tomorrow on Thursday. Oh, cool. So it's it's still continuing. Um, and also just uh, then hearing from the conductors, like it's it's a thrill, you know, that they they like their likeness. You know, that's that's always a little like scary when you're drawing people that are alive. I typically draw dead people is that the live ones might not like how you draw them, but for the most part, (laughs) I have gotten a lot of positive feedback. (laughs) Now now I'm going to get back to that one, back to that one. But um, in addition to opera, you do a lot of musical theater icons. I do. Um, You have also a bitchy uh, pigeon. That makes makes a cameo in some of your work. Um, How do you decide on your subjects? Like, you know, you've got your New Yorkers. How do you decide on what stories to tell? I think it just depends on what's going on in my life. Um, The Pigeon actually was based off like a really terrible arts teacher I had. And so it was (laughs) when I first moved to New York, um, it was just kind of what that relationship dynamic made me feel like. And so like, I'm like the little mute character, or at least I that new character represents where I was then and she doesn't talk and the pigeon's just nasty and it's just trying to take humor from like an unpleasant situation and like put a funny spin on it and also back then I just was I loved pigeons like when I first moved to the city I don't remember seeing them in Nebraska I'm sure we had them but that was like I noticed them everywhere I'm like there's so many pigeons in the city so that's why that became like the subject matter and then taking the personality of that terrible teacher and putting it in like in a really bitchy pigeon and it's super simple and funny and they take like five minutes to draw and it's to this day my most asked about work of art like really? the collective series absolutely wow that's, uh, that's hilarious um haven't done too much of him lately and then what was the other series New Yorkers yes. just you know, the the vibrancy different personalities characters that I see um my first series I did four years ago that actually kind of got me a little bit of traction was it was a hundred day New Yorker challenge so every day I drew a different type of New Yorker with six funny facts um and it was like Times Square Elmo just things that you would never see in Nebraska um just like an old lady with a cart like trying to go down the subway just very New York specific things Mm -hmm. um so yeah, it just depends on a where I'm working, like what what I'm seeing every day that tends to like influence what I create and what subject matters I draw for, you know. So life inspiring art. Yes, always it always has to draw from some type of personal connection. 
Okay, but you were saying personal connection in general, you'd prefer not people you actually know or yes. people that, <laughs> that are icons who've passed away. Um, but you have done, you know, some works of living artists. I have. It's always and, always nerve-wracking. <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of a lot of people will know you on social media as illustrating diva yes. um, in putting everything out there on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all of these different platforms. Have you heard back on any artists? Yes, that- several, several, which is a thrill and no, none, none that were nasty, like knock on wood. Um, yeah. Several artists that I grew up listening to. And wow. so for me, it's like, just like a total geek out moment. And like, I'm trying to like a nerve. name or two. <laughs> It's, I mean, Stephanie Blythe, like I just love, and she's the, like the loveliest person. We became Facebook friends and she liked, she was in the hundred day series. I saw her perform as this like glitter unicorn on the Mets, um, the pride parade float. So I did like a little illustration of her and that's, that's how we connected. Um, Juliana Hall, like I grew up singing some of her art songs and I drew her for a phenomenal women poster. So she loved it. Um, Randy Rainbow owns my mug. <laughs> I was going to ask, (laughs) I was going to ask about that because I was like, does she have any cool celebrity fans? And I was trying to go back because I could have sworn there was a Randy Rainbow story that he owned one of your mugs. Yeah, he he posts the Lane Stritch mug. And I love that, like that one, because I feel like I, I have a thing for Lane Stritch. Um, Like I want to be her when I'm now, you know what I mean? But when I'm 80, she's just does not care and it's just ballsy and I have this this mug of her just lounging just this classic ingenue and I feel like that sums up my type (laughs) and so Randy Rainbow likes that mug and he posts a lot of stories like him you know pouring like a Keurig coffee into the Elaine Stritch mug (laughs) so then I have people reach out they're like did you design this I'm like yeah (laughs) have no idea how he found it but he did that's awesome that's awesome Speaking of social media, you were not always the illustrating diva. I was not. <laughs> you used to be the coffee hooker. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes, yeah, so I came up with that name when I was 12. Um, I love coffee. I always, always, it's my favorite accessory. I'm never without a coffee. Um, I was coffee hooker. I started Instagram, not for illustration, just to poke or post all like the bizarre things I like would find around New York, you know? And then when I started drawing, um, people started noticing me and tagging me. And it was like, kind of like higher classier institutions being like, thank you, coffee hooker. And I'm like, I need to change this. I trademarked it. I own it. I even like have another Instagram account of coffee hooker just so no one else takes the name. But then I was like, what's, what's still me, but a little bit more like palatable for like different, you know, institutions and organizations. And that's where Actually, with the Met Opera Chorus, we did a brainstorming session once during Knock Notton, and they're like, illustrating diva. I'm like, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it is perfect. But I still have a soft spot for Coffee Hooker. And, Thank you. Me too. And you do I am have a Coffee Hooker. Yeah. And you have it trademarked. And so I, I think it's my hidden desire to like have <laughs> you do a coffee table book called Coffee of, Hooker. A Coffee Hooker. <laughs> well, so. yeah, it would, it would pair with. Farewell. Um, coffee hooker is, uh, so my, they're my initials. I'm Chelsea Hill and coffee hooker is obviously coffee hooker. Um, and it's my heightened illustrated self. So it's kind of like, did you ever watch Fleabag? Like that character's name is Fleabag. So it's coffee hooker, but it'd be funny to see her like misadventures. Um, 
obviously very heightened and just wears like the most like outrageous things, which I, I wear outrageous things, but she like takes it to like the, the nth degree. A whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would, I would definitely buy that book and I'm curious for the future to see what coffee hooker gets up to. <laughs> Adventures. I'll put that on the back burner. She still lives. <laughs> what uh, new and exciting projects do you have for the future? What's coming up? Um, well, I just finished uh, actually quite a bit in the last week. So right now I'm in a little bit of a lull period, which is nice because I'm my brain needs to kind of rest a little bit. Um, more personal projects. I don't know what they're going to be yet, but I want to do more series. Mm-hmm. So whenever I get any inspiration, then I'll just I usually just dive head in. But right now I'm a little bit of a lull, which is not bad. No, I think sometimes we need kind of those quiet moments for the creative thoughts yeah. to come. Because if you're too busy and it's too noisy, you know, there's no space for them. So, yeah. yeah, I totally I totally get what you mean. But if people want to, you know, get in contact with you, because you do collaborate with organizations. You also collaborate with individuals if someone wanted mm-hmm to collaborate with you, or if someone wants to just enjoy your work, where would they find you? Well, Illustrating Diva on the gram um, or my website, chelseahill.com. And it's Chelsea with a Y, which is confusing for everybody. (laughs) And I'll include all of the information in the show notes. So you know where to find Chelsea and all of her amazing illustrations. Thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me. It's been a pleasure. And I can't wait to see what else you come up with. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Create Outside the Box. Please follow us, like, and subscribe on Spotify, Buzzsprout, and now Apple Podcasts. And check us out on our Creative Operations YouTube channel, where you can subscribe to watch our interviews. For more information about creative operations, please visit www.creative-operations.org.